Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for June 7th, 2020. Well, there are a ton of birthdays that piqued my interest today. Artist Paul Gauguin, designer Charles René McIntosh, conductor George Zell, actress Jessica Tandy, Brooke Stevens, the man who designed the iconic Wienermobile, Rat Packer Dean Martin, former L.A. Master Chorale music director Paul Solomonovich, film producer James Ivory, singer Tom Jones, Liam Neeson, French-Italian tenor Roberto Alagna, artist Damien Hirst, guitarist Dave Navarro, comedians Bill Hader and Michael Cera, and tennis bombshell Anna Kornikova. I seriously considered Kornikova, but considering the medium, I thought it would be pointless without visual aids. But it's also the birthday of the guy who wrote the soundtrack to many of my teenage years, the artist formerly and subsequently known as Prince. Few artists in the history of popular music have been as restlessly creative, iconoclastic, or unapologetically eccentric as Prince. Like some amalgamation of David Bowie, Little Richard, and Jimi Hendrix all rolled into one, few popular musicians have generated as much adoration and befuddlement as Prince. During a career that spanned more than 30 years, Prince's embrace of hypersexuality, androgyny, and religious themes pushed the envelope of what audiences were willing to accept. It would be easy to become distracted by Prince's visual and performance styles, but his greatest strength was always his musical ingenuity, virtuosity, and songwriting abilities. Like Stevie Wonder, he could perform at a professional level on virtually all the instruments he required, and a considerable number of his recordings feature him in all the performing roles. Prince's recording career began with funk and soul marketed to a black audience, but later records incorporated a vast array of influences, including jazz, punk, heavy metal, the Beatles, and hip-hop usually within an overall approach most informed by funky up-tempo styles and soulful ballads, with the latter featuring his expressive falsetto singing. Taking an early interest in music, Prince began playing the piano at age 7, and he had mastered the guitar and drums by the time he joined his first band at age 14. With very few African-American residents, his hometown of Minneapolis, Minnesota, was an unlikely site for the development of a major black star. But Prince even managed to lead other local musicians, most notably Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, to major success. Mirrored by correspondingly intense music, Prince's lyrics often address sexuality and desire with frankness and imagination. Much of his work, in its lyrics and imagery, struggles with the constriction of social conventions and categories. As one of his biographers put it, the whole thrust of Prince's art can be understood in terms of a desire to escape the social identities thrust upon him by simple virtue of his being small, black, and male. Prince explored typographical oddities in his song titles and lyrics as another way of evading convention. In 1993, he announced that he had changed his name to a combination of the male and female gender signs. 
There's also a strong religious impulse in some of his music, sometimes fused into a kind of sacred erotic experience that has roots in African-American churches. Little Red Corvette of 1983 was Prince's first big crossover hit, gaining airplay on MTV at a time when virtually no black artists appeared on the influential new medium. Purple Rain of 1984 made him one of the major stars of the 1980s and remains his biggest selling album. Three of its singles were hits, the frenetic Let's Go Crazy, the androgynous but vulnerable When Doves Cry, and the anthemic title cut. Thereafter, he continued to produce inventive music of broad, international appeal. Throughout most of his career, Prince's prolific inventiveness as a songwriter clashed with his record company's policy of releasing only a single album each year. As a backlog of his completed but unreleased recordings piled up, he gave songs to other performers, some of whom recorded at and for Paisley Park, the studio and label he established in suburban Minneapolis, and even organized ostensibly independent groups such as The Time to record his material. His 1996 album, Emancipation, celebrated the forthcoming end of his Warner Brothers contract, which enabled him to release as much music as he liked on his NPG label. Later, he explored marketing his work on the internet and through private arrangements with retail chains as a means of circumventing the control of large record companies. In 1999, however, he released Rave Unto You, the Joy Fantastic, under the Arista label, a collaboration with Sheryl Crow, Chuck D, Annie DeFranco, and others. The album received mixed reviews and failed to find a large audience. In 1993, while in a contractual dispute with Warner Brothers, he changed his stage name to an unpronounceable symbol, also known as the Love Symbol, and began releasing new albums at a faster rate to remove himself from contractual obligations. He released five records between 1994 and 1996 before signing with Arista Records in 1998. In 2000, he began referring to himself as Prince again. He released 16 albums after that, including the platinum-selling Musicology of 2004. His final album, Hit and Run Phase 2, was first released on the Tidal streaming service in December of 2015. But just five months later, at the age of 57, Prince died of an accidental fentanyl overdose at his Paisley Park recording studio and home in Chanhassen, Minnesota. We'd all do well to remember that life is just a party, and parties weren't meant to last. Truer words have never been spoken. An iconic quote by the late, great Prince. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.